Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. There's no way in hell we make that trade. <laughs> and yeah, did they watch the playoffs? Did they see what we saw? Head coach of the Texas Southern Tigers, Coach Johnny Jones. I really like this team. I'm really excited about this group of guys that we have. You can make a case for 10 teams. For those very same 10 teams, you can point out some significant flaws that can hold them back. Man, we've given you the keys to the city, man. This is your car. Once he fell in love with you, he fell in love with you. These guys were in the same room listening to the same love music. That's why they ain't got to do nothing. But say, shut up and play. I'm not getting in the middle of this because it's not about me. It's too hot. It's too much. I went too deep. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty is back on goal. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are aboard. If this is your first time, welcome aboard. And if you're coming back for the umpteenth time, we certainly appreciate you as well. Want to remind you guys of a couple of things before I tell you what's coming up this episode. Want to remind you to go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. That's WadesWordProductions.com. And subscribe to the email list, peruse the site, check out past episodes, all of that good stuff. That's at wadeswordproductions.com. In addition to that, you can call us 24 hours a day on the sports line at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And, of course, on social media at wadesword on Twitter. That's wadesword. And the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook and the fan page with the group page is really really fun we want you I post poll questions there we want you to get involved with that as well if you do the Facebook thing I'm on Instagram I don't post as much but we'll get to that someday some at some point uh, this time out, we have from the special teams unit, our guy, Eddie Robinson. He is aboard. And of course, uh, we will have some great NFL talk with him and whatever else he wants to get into as well. I'm sure he'll have some comments about the Rockets. In addition to that, we have our features, our Tuesday features. That is D-Nice. And I'll tell you who was D-Nice over the weekend and still called the Blues. We have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. So something I did not do last time, and I'll give you an explanation about that. And then we have other things that we have coming up, including our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. I may get on my uh, soapbox. So there's a lot of stuff going on this episode. So with that, let's get started with some headlines. In headlines, there are a number of things uh, that I want to focus on in uh, just a little bit. Want to get into some NFL stuff. Want to get into some other NBA stuff. But the reason why we're coming out on a Wednesday is because I wanted to watch James Harden make his debut with the Rockets last night in preseason versus San Antonio Spurs. It was relatively uneventful. It looked he looked good. He does what he, he did what he does and that's fine. All things are cool. He's come out today and said some some he didn't want to address a lot of stuff. 
pertaining to his trades. He's just saying he's focusing on basketball. He looked a little chunky, but we're used to him kind of going up and down. Remember, he lost a lot of weight during last season, but he looked a little fuller. And I mean, that's fine. I don't. That's not going to hurt his game. I mean, he can do. He can be one of those guys that'll be fifty something years old and kind of overweight, and he'll go to the park and he'll throw up an eighty spot if he wanted to. So that happened, but also there was an ESPN article that come out written by Tim McMahon that essentially confirms what we've known in Houston for a long, long time. This has been his organization to run. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. We've talked about it a lot on KTSU Sports Talk. Kevin Allen has been on this for years. I mean, we all know it. You ran McHale out of here. You ran Howard, Paul, Westbrook out of here. Now we know a little bit more. So a lot of it boils down to the fact that you can be an immense talent. You can be a talent that is one of the best to ever do it. But if you don't have a certain leadership component, if you don't have that the, the one intangible, you won't be a champion. And he'll never be a champion. Unless he rides the coattails of somebody else and changes at this late stage in his career or later stage in his career. This dude is phenomenal as a scorer. But we've always known for a long, long time he does not make the people around him better. He has no desire to make them better. He seems very, very selfish. And that seems to be confirmed by what we hear. So essentially one of the main issues, uh, and there were a number of things in this article, and I recommend you go and read it on ESPN.com. But one of the things is that Russell Westbrook, and, and this is the problem. You know, you can say you want to win. You can, you can say I, I want, I'm about championships. But then when you come across a real one or some real ones and you can't conform or you can't relate or you can't work with that, then you are the problem. So Russell Westbrook, who's a real one, who's a dedicated guy when it comes to the sport of basketball, every single night he brings it. He wants to win. He's loyal. That dude is, man, that's my guy, man. Even in this article, he looks more and more like my guy. When, when you talk about a guy that has all the things that it takes, and, and I know they accuse him of being a selfish player. I think that, again, he probably wants, he knows, he wants to dominate basketball because he wants to win. He wants to take control in his own hands. And, and so those are different sets of issues. Although they align a lot with what it looks like on the basketball court with him and Harden saying, oh, they always have to have a basketball. But these are two for two different reasons, I, I think. I just think that Harden comes across as looking selfish. But the issue that Russell Westbrook had was that there was a film session or a tape session or a video session breaking down game tape, okay, or game film, game video. And he Harden was late because he didn't take his COVID test in time. And Westbrook was like, look, start the tape. I don't give a damn if he's here or not. Start the tape. And Mike D'Antoni said, well, what's the use? If we started, we're just going to have to start it again when he gets here. And that kind of stuff drove Westbrook crazy. Uh, apparently, he's a very punctual guy. And James Harden was late to planes, trains, and automobiles and game film sessions or whatever. And he had a problem with that. Chris Paul, same thing. He says that Harden didn't want to buy into the offense. If he, he wasn't involved in the offense, he would barely step across half court sometimes. So he didn't buy in. And when Paul sort of said, hey, man, we need to do more. We need to step up and make it happen. D'Antoni was like, hey, man, the keys to the city belongs to this guy. And you give D'Antoni credit for understanding the situation. 
He was like, look, I'm going to keep getting my money. We're going to try to win and do the best we can given the circumstances. And and I like that approach. He's saying, no, here are the sets of challenges. Because a lot of people are like, hell no, I'm out of here. Then Tony sat back. He won his games in the regular season. He understood the limitations. They made moves. They knew what they were. And he got paid for several, several years. And he went on to get paid. And he'll coach again if he wants to. He knew how to read the room. The room was, this is James Harden's room. And I get it from an ownership standpoint. Hey, your stars sell tickets. Stars run the sh- We have to have a star. We don't have a star. We're not making money. We're not exciting the masses. And we have empty arenas. And, and we see that around the NBA. But, man, nah. You, you, somebody had to address something about this guy. And it hadn't happened. And this is what I understand. Why do you want out? What do you want out for? <laughs> you, you made this. This is your bed. You made this happen. And I think that Harden is catching a lot of grief because he's giving a, a first-time African-American coach a hard time. He's hamstringing him, not allowing him to succeed by not buying in. At least that's the perception. We'll have to see moving forward what happens in that situation. But the thing in the article that stood out to me was that, and, and this is something that shouldn't bother me at all. It's not my business. It's not my business. But then again, it is. It is my business to come in on these things because a lot of people listen to some of the things that I have to say. But, but it's not my business how somebody spends their money. But one of the things that came out in the article was that Harden went. We all know that he was late to training camp because he was in Atlanta at a birthday party for a little baby, little, little baby or the baby or some kind of baby. And that's cool. It's not cool because you're supposed to be in Houston doing your COVID protocol to be here. But you're there partying. Okay. No mask on. That's a problem for me. You know, I'm, I'm pro protection. 300,000 people have died. So we need to check on that. We need to stop spreading. And we're the worst country in the entire world handling COVID because of stuff like this. So that's, that's something that bothers me. And it affects all of us. So let's not... Let's not act like it doesn't. Let's not act like, because he may not have COVID. If, if you have thousands of people crammed into a club, somebody in there has COVID and it's going to pass it to me or somebody else. And now you have 95% capacity at the hospital. So if I stub my toe or get knee stitches or have a concussion or a car wreck, I can't even get into the ICU because it's full with COVID patients. So anyway, so that's the issue. So he gives, apparently and reportedly, he gives the baby, a little baby, a bag for his birthday containing honey buns and a brick of $100,000. Now, this is one man giving another grown man $100,000. Now, you can do what you want to do. And that is not a lot of money in his world. And I know that he's done philanthropic things. So I, I get it. I'm not saying he's a bad dude. Ain't no way in hell I'm doing that. Ain't no way in hell I would raise my imaginary son to do some like that. And then you give him a watch valued at over uh, six figures in the six figures. So this is what (laughs) this is what you do with your money. And it's your business. I'm not telling you not. I mean, look, you do what you want to do. But to me. It ain't no, there's no damn way. And it just tells you, I mean, the world is wild. It's, it's really, really wild. And, and you can't tell. And, and again, I'm not really 
even not you do what you want to do, bro. I really don't care, but I'm just like, really? <laughs> like, is that what we're doing now? Now, again, he just turned down a hundred million dollar contract. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So that is not a, that's not a blip on his radar, but it just seems like, ugh, that's kind of, that's just decadent and like, whatever. And, and again, I'm not, he's done other things in the community. So he, he's done that. So that's, uh, that is what it is. I'll leave it up to you guys. What are your thoughts? 832-941-6614. And you talk about the money in the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo signed the extension with Milwaukee. Five years, $228 million. Which I think that is huge for a smaller market in the NBA. That is such a refreshing thing. Everything shouldn't be funneled to, to well, not even to New York anymore, but everything shouldn't be funneled to, to the West Coast or the East Coast or Chicago or Miami. I think it's great for smaller markets to have superstars. It, it really is important, and it's important to that community. So congratulations to Giannis for signing that deal. And I think that the folks in that area will be very grateful and appreciative because when you have stars like that, you make your market relevant. You do things for the economy there. It's a, it's a big, big deal. And, and it says to those folks in that, or those smaller communities, you know, you're important on the grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things. So congratulations to him on that. In baseball, the Cleveland Indians will be no more. The Cleveland baseball franchise will no longer be the Cleveland Indians. And I applaud that. And I am very, very familiar with the Native American community. And I know more about the Native American plight than a lot of people do here. And I've I've gone to powwows. I know people in the community. I know about tribes that most people don't know about. I know things, and, and it's just not. It's just this time out for all of that. And we'll see if the Chiefs and the Braves are close behind. We've already seen it with the Washington Football Team. The other part of that is uh, when you look at the organizations that have specific attachments to tribal names, like Florida State with the Seminoles. That's something I think they have worked out. Utah Utes, I think that's something that they have worked out and with those tribes. And again, as long as the representation is respectful, and again, I'm not Native American, so it's not for me to decide if I'm offended or not. It's up to that community to decide if this is something that they're offended by. But I just think that it's crazy. I've been to powwows where you've seen some folks sort of mock that these are real people. These are descendants of real Native Americans. And you have people coming out there in headdresses and, and loincloths. It's just embarrassing and it's insulting. It's, it's a terrible thing. So I'm happy that Cleveland, uh, really without a lot of pressure like Washington faced, made this decision. And let's see what happens moving forward. We need to, people are like, oh, I'm tired of being politically correct. Politically correct essentially means, look, I'm not going to on anybody else. I'm not going to shit on gay people or trans people or black people or poor people or Hispanic people. That's all it means. But if you take it that way, then you need to check yourself and say, okay, well, why am I okay with offending people? And you say, well, they shouldn't be offended. Well, you can't tell what people what to be offended by. You just can't. Not when it comes to the entire groups of people. Try that with your spouse. See how long that lasts. <laughs> See how, how those interpersonal skills uh, 
Uh, those intrapersonal skills work for you moving forward. So, uh, anyway, so good move by the Cleveland baseball team to do that. And they joined the Washington football team in doing that. So any of your thoughts on that, please give me a call. 832-941-6614. Let's talk about the NFL real brief. Man, how about the game between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens? That was the game of the year. That was nine rushing touchdowns. That was Lamar Jackson doing his thing. That is Baker Mayfield bouncing back from adversity, giving the team, or at least getting the team to a tie late in that game. And this is about Lamar Jackson abruptly leaving the game and then coming back, coming back at the two-minute warning to throw a touchdown to give the team a, a lead and then Again, going back down and Justin Tucker hitting a 55-yard field goal to win that game. Game of the year. Now, Lamar Jackson was really D-nice. I didn't recognize him in D-nice. He was D-nice. Cleveland Browns, actually, even in that loss, they were D-nice. Chubb was nice. Kareem Hunt was D-nice. It was really, really D-nice. But despite that, there were other players, other teams, and other situations who were not only nice over the weekend, but they were D-nice. That's nice. 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 When you're talking about teams that were D nice, you have to start with the Indianapolis Colts. A 44 27 win over the Las Vegas Raiders. They stay tied atop the AFC South at 9 and 4, and they are D nice. The Philadelphia Eagles make a change at quarterback starting Houston's own Jalen Hurts. He led them to a 24-21 victory over the New Orleans Saints. Jalen Hurts inspired everybody. He played well. He looked good. And they were D-nice. Not enough people are taking the Buffalo Bills serious. We better start. They defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-15, handing the Steelers their second consecutive loss. But more importantly, the Bills moved to 10-3 on the season. And they are D-nice. Don't look now, but the Washington football team is rolling with a victory over the San Francisco. 49ers 23-15. They did it without Antonio Gibson. Alex Smith got hurt. Dwayne Haskins entered the game, but that defense is balling out of its mind, and they are D-nice. A lot of people have been bashing the Baltimore Ravens, but they fought back in a big way. They needed the victory against the Cleveland Browns 47-42. They got it. Lamar Jackson was absolutely amazing. He did it on the ground. He did it enough through the air. That team is a force to be reckoned with, and they are making sure that we don't forget about them come playoff time. They are D nice. When you talk about players that were D nice, let's start with Cam Akers and a 24 3 victory over the New England Patriots. He had 29 carries, count them, 29 carries for 171 yards. He was D nice. How D nice was Derrick Henry this weekend? He was so D nice, I didn't even pick him for my fantasy football team and I missed out. He had 26 carries for 215 yards and two touchdowns, averaged 8.3 yards per carry. That takes him to over 1,500 yards on the season with 14 touchdowns. He's always D nice. After nine seasons of quarterbacking the Cincinnati Bengals, Andy Dalton made his triumphant return with the Dallas Cowboys. His numbers weren't great, just 16 to 23 for 185 yards and two touchdowns, but he got revenge against his old team. That is D-Nice. Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts in that win over the Las Vegas Raiders had 20 carries for 150 yards and two touchdowns. He was D-Nice. And finally, Pat Mahomes was 24 of 34, 393 yards and two touchdowns. That takes him to over 4,200 yards on the season and 33 touchdowns. He's the MVP and he is D nice. To have your comments heard, call 832 941 6614.
With that, going to take a time out here from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ. But in the second half, we anticipate a visit with Eddie Robinson. We have Father Lamont Award and a whole lot more, including Still Call the Blues. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and Cobank Homes. The vision at Cobank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ Anna. back our resident dj dj anarchy on the mix want to thank cobank homes and uh, dj anarchy check him out on uh, soundcloud and on instagram and around the greater houston area the bad man he does his thing but if you have music and you'd like it played on the podcast it doesn't matter the genre if you're a rapper a dj a musician of some sort a member of a band and you want your music heard we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the podcast or an extended portion of a mix that's uh, easy to do. All you have to do is email us at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. And uh, just submit it, and uh, we'll try to work it in. And you can have your music heard by thousands of folks around the world who listen to the podcast. With that, it's time for me to climb aboard my soapbox. When we are together, we got power. And now it's time to get on the soapbox. The soapbox, I am going to play for you someone else who went on their soapbox, and then I'll tell you what you heard, okay? You can hear it for yourself, but I can tell you the subtext of what you heard and maybe give some advice to future potential employers of mine, anyone who hopes to employ me one day. Are you familiar with a guy named Tom Cruise? I think we are. I don't know if you've caught this clip. But apparently, Tom Cruise 
is filming a movie and he put up six hundred and forty thousand dollars of his own money to try to make this happen for folks overseas and he's trying to maintain a covid free covid safe environment he wants to maintain production there's a lot of pressure on him from a lot of different places to make sure that a movie can take place that they can successfully produce a movie with the backdrop of covid and and really work through all of the issues with big time blockbuster film production during the era of COVID. And I'm sure that's an immense amount of pressure. When you're talking about the millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line, and not just on that production, but what it means for other productions. And he'll explain some of that. Well, he was upset. He caught a couple of folks on his set and they had not observed, they were not observing proper COVID protocol. And here is what... Uh, Tom Cruise had to say about that. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again. Ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. Now, the clip was a lot longer than that. And I can tell you what you hear in that is the pressure of hundreds of millions of dollars. Or at least tens of millions of dollars. That's pressure. You hear that pressure? And you hear someone with the weight of Hollywood on his shoulders, whether that's real or perceived, uh, that's what he thinks. And, and I can't pretend to know what the magnitude of success of or failure of this production means to the rest of Hollywood. I can't I can't tell you that I can't pretend to know that. So I don't know. But you hear all of that pressure and all of that money, six hundred and forty thousand dollars of his own money. That's a that's a small snippet. That's nothing. But his production company owns the rights to the movie. So that's that's tens of millions of dollars right there. And then you think about the ramifications. So that what you hear is a lot of pressure to make something happen and some people drop the ball. And maybe that's not and I, my understanding is that not, that wasn't the first time that they dropped the ball. They had stopped production a couple of times because of COVID. So that's what you hear. You also hear a lot of ain't. No damn way. <laughs> so you know what that means? It ain't no damn way you're going to talk to me like that. Now, this is why I know I'm not built for certain rooms and certain situations. I'm not built for it. I'm, I've come from third or fourth generation. Ain't going to take that on the job. <laughs> so that's I'm third or fourth generation. I ain't going to take that on the job. And when you get it natural, you kind of understand. Let me not put myself in any position like that. And then I thought about it. The only thing, the only person that could probably talk to me like that, and, and I'm, you know, I don't even know if that's a real thing. It, it Maybe a coach could really get after me like that. And, and not not like that. You know, but only a, a, a football coach. And maybe that's because you conditioned from the time you're growing up. But it's different. I never played. I never played for somebody as a grown man. 
as a teenager, we we endured a lot from coaches. Uh, at least my generation did. I, I know now it's all oh here. Let me you know, let me make you some cookies and milk and persuade you to do the right thing. I guess I don't know, but my generation. Yeah, you took a lot from a coach. So that's the only circumstance in which I can kind of slightly see me accepting something like that. And the last time I was talked to, and that was nowhere near that level, I was 21 and I left and never came back. But even to this day, I think about it. And if I see him, it might be on <laughs> on site. You know what I'm saying? It might be when I see you. I don't know where you are, what you're doing at this stage in your life. And I'm sure you're an older person, much, much. I mean, obviously you're a much older person than me, but you might still be able to catch that. I might be triggered. I don't know. But halfway through that, we would have had to have a conversation because you just can't, you can't. And, and I agree with him. I 100% on what he's talking about. You have to abide by COVID protocol. I mean, you, you have millions of dollars on the line and because you're going to cost us this money because of that. I 100% feel him on that. He's 100% right. You're going to cost people jobs and homes and, and everything else because you can't wear a mask or do what you're supposed to do. I get that. I get it. But also, couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. We would have to have a conversation. If, if we made it through that initial conversation, we would have to have a private conversation with a stern, stern warning. And if that meant, hey, I'm off the gig, I'm off the gig. I mean, and I guess you may feel differently if you knew you were in the wrong. But even if I'm in the wrong, nah. But, hey, it's a different world. There's hundreds of millions of dollars involved. That's in a tax bracket I don't nearly qualify for. So, uh, just I want to get your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. We're not just sports. We're a little bit of everything. But there were teams that did well over the weekend, and, of course, they were D-nice. And there were teams and players who still have the blues. When you talk about teams that still have the blues, you have to still talk about the Houston Texans. Their worst loss of the season to the Chicago Bears, 37-6. The Bears had lost six straight, but Deshaun Watson got beat up and the Texans still have the blues. The Las Vegas Raiders were in a dogfight for the first half. The score was 20-14. In the second half, Andy pulled away and blew them out of the water, 44-27. They are 7-6 on the season, 2-4 in Viva Las Vegas. They still have the blues. I've said this before. Before, but the New England Patriots, it's not that you lost. It's how you lost to the Los Angeles Rams. Only 220 total yards and a field goal on the scoreboard. Cam Newton got pulled. The offense looked woeful. And the New England Patriots still have the blues. The New York Giants had an opportunity to prove that they were somewhat legit. But a 26-7 loss to the Arizona Cardinals ruined that. The Cardinals had lost three straight. And now the four-game winning streak the Giants had enjoyed is gone. And they still have the blues. The Cleveland Browns had a huge win over the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, but a close loss to the Ravens is still a loss, despite the fact that they want to be among the big boys in the AFC. They're not there yet after this loss, and they still have the Blues. When you're talking about players who have the Blues, you have to start with Deontay Johnson, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He leads the NFL with nine drops on the season. He had a couple of early drops in that loss to the Buffalo Bills for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a nice receiver, but... 
still has the blues. A week ago, Colt McCoy led the New York Giants to a victory. This week, regular starter Daniel Jones returned, and they lost the game. He was 11 for 21, and he was sacked six times, and he still has the blues. Once an MVP in this league, Cam Newton is looking for his mojo. He was 9 of 16 for 119 yards in a 24-3 loss to the Los Angeles Rams, and boy, he still has the blues. Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys, he has every reason in the world to not have a good season, and he's using all of them. Sunday, he had 12 carries for 40 yards. He's only averaging 64 yards per game. He got the bag, but he also has the blues. And finally, this guy was the fourth pick overall in 2017 by the Jacksonville Jags. Now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Leonard Fournette, has nothing going on. He was a healthy scratch on Sunday, and he, along with all of those teams and all of these other players, they still have the blues. Hey, any way you look at it. Yeah, a lot of teams still have the blues when you talk about Cam Newton. Man, what is going on with Cam? Deontay Johnson, the Pittsburgh Steelers, that inconsistency in catching the football. Just catch the football. That's that's kind of like in the job description, catching the football. Uh, but nonetheless, you can give me your thoughts on that any way you choose to reach out. With that, I want to transition and bring in our guy from the special teams unit, former NFL linebacker. You know him. You love him. Our guy, Eddie Robinson, he joins us for a few moments. E-Rob, 50 back in the building. How are you, Eddie? Oh, everything's going good, but man, how's it going with you? Going great. A couple things we uh, want to get to real quick. James Harden, he finally made an appearance for the Rockets last night in the preseason, and he looked like James Harden, a little a little bigger, bulkier version of himself. He hadn't quite been in the gym, and he said as much in the press conference today. But uh, what are your thoughts on James Harden at this point, now that he's in camp and he's participating and having conversations with his coach and, and being a part of the program right now? Hey, man, I guess we just have to take it day to day. I mean, usually, you know, James always starts off really fast in the season because he does have a good offseason program. So we'll see. Maybe he'll build himself up to getting in shape and can finish strong because he's always been a fast starter and it seemed like he would teeter off. So I guess you got to try something different sometime. Yeah, well, and, and at this point, it doesn't seem to have any urgency behind the, the idea of trading him. But what are your thoughts? How, how much longer do you think he'll be on the team? I mean, do you think he'll make it through the season? Do you think he'll start to? sort of enjoy being here or being with this group of players or do you think he's he's still going to want out no matter what? I mean, I, I think that's a question only James Harden can answer. Um, you know, winning cures everything. I mean, if they start 12-2, and two, then everybody will probably be happy. If they start 4-10, and 10, then yeah, I'm sure he'll he'll have the I want to get out of here type of scenario. So I, I think winning will definitely have a big factor to see how you know he's feeling and, and how the team reacts. But if the season is, is definitely going bad for whatever reason, whether, you know, just the chemistry is not there, lack of talent, whatever it is. then at that point, I think it would be, uh, you know, more of an urgency to trade him, especially if he's demanding a trade. But I think the Rockets would be smart not to just trade him just because he wants to be traded and not get some type of uh, compensation for, you know, one of the elite scorers in the game. Well, ESPN came out with the article uh, today by Tim McMahon and talking about a number of things. Basically, uh, it says that no one in the organization has ever told James no. 
before and and subsequently we've seen kevin McHale depart we've seen chris paul depart we've seen dwight howard depart and we've seen finally russell westbrook what were your what were your takeaways from uh, from the article what did you see in it that, that made you take notice yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, superstar players are going to get superstar treatment, so I think you expect some of it. So, I mean, how much power has he actually, you know, yielded and has he done it in, in a fair and equitable manner? It's hard to say. I mean, the the guys that have left, I mean, McHale and and Westbrook and Chris Paul, I mean, these are, these are big guys. These are kind of titans in the basketball world, and I don't think any of those guys would take a backseat to James Harden. So, because they're all superstars in their own right. And, and and maybe that is why they left. But at the same time, I, I feel like if, if they had something compelling to say, then it probably would have been said also. So, I mean, yeah, you, you read articles, and, and I've been on teams where, where there have been a lot of different articles written. And so the truth is, of course, somewhere in there, but to what level, then it's, it's almost impossible to tell. Let me ask you this. What, did you ever play with a diva like not like Harden, because no, I mean basketball guys on a whole different level. But is, was there a diva or two on any of the teams that you played for without naming names? Uh, well, I mean, I can't really. I wouldn't really say that. I, I was I, I was fortunate to always be on teams that were somewhat overachieving, hardworking, you know, physical, tough teams like that, as opposed to, you know, being on that team where, you know, say like, I'm just going to say San Francisco 49ers, like that type of team, where it was always kind of the persona, and maybe it wasn't, but it was the persona that it was a, you know, you know, Hollywood superstar, those type of guys. And so, you know, my guys were just, you know, hardworking guys. Maybe you had one Pro Bowler on defense, and everybody else was just we gonna hit you in the mouth. And so those type of guys who who work to get where they are, um, you know, really don't have that type of attitude. And even the Eddie Georges and the Steve McNairs, who were superstars at the time in their heyday. I mean, those are just two hardworking guys. You know, Steve was a country boy from Mississippi, and and uh, and Eddie George was just you know a hard worker who won the Heisman, but you know never missed a game and just came every day to work hard. And so I don't think either one of those guys expected any type of special treatment. But of course, you know, especially in football, you know, you, you're going to get some extra days off if you're that focal point of the offense. But you know, nah. As far as hey, I'm late for a meeting, stop the plane for me and all that type of stuff. No, I was I was never on a team with a bunch of guys like that. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, now, the final thing on Harden, and I know this has nothing really to do with anything, but it just stood out to me. So it, he was late because he was partying with uh, the baby, a little baby, little baby. baby. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's, a, it's a couple babies out there, right? It's, three yeah, it's or four a couple babies. of them. But anyway, he gave a man a bag with a brick of a hundred thousand dollars cash and some honey buns, and then he gave him a watch that was uh, that has been appraised in six, uh, you know, north of six figures. Can you imagine? <laughs> Just what's your general thoughts? On hey man, if, if, if that's the if that's the kind of friends you have, and and you roll with friends like that, I mean, <laughs> the man has what a couple hundred million dollar contract with Adidas, and makes been making twenty five million a year for the last couple of years, and got a little bit more money on the book, so it's all relevant, you know what I'm saying? So to give <laughs> for him to give a hundred thousand, that that must be how him and little baby get down. So hey, I, if that's how you roll, that's how you roll. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine 
not never. I don't, I can't imagine. That, I, nah, man, I, that just stood out to me. I mean, again, that's just salacious. It's not. It's not a big. Wait, man, don't people. worry. At your next birthday, I'm gonna have a twenty dollar bill and a cinnamon swirl <laughs> for you. How about that? There you go. There we go. So I want to ask you about your Saints. So I don't think it's big news that the Saints lost. I mean, it was going to happen at some point, and this was the kind of game that probably uh, before a huge game versus Kansas City, it was going to happen. And I think there are a lot of things that came out of that game. But most importantly, I want to ask you about the other team. I want to ask you about Jalen Hurts and what you saw of him in that game. Yeah, I thought he did really well for a young guy. You know, he was he was poised and he was he used his legs when he had to, but he didn't he didn't just turn into a, a running quarterback who was throwing the football. He still looked downfield, made some throws. Uh, didn't have a lot of rookie mistakes, but keep in mind this guy has a lot of college game time underneath his belt. He, I mean, he started as what a freshman as Alabama, so he probably has forty starts at at a minimum in college. And I'm talking about playing against future NFL players and practicing against them. So at Alabama and in Oklahoma. So you're talking about a very experienced guy. And of course, you know, he hasn't done it at the NFL level, but he played at a really high level in college. I, I thought in that game, what I was disappointed about is, you know, usually when you have that rookie quarterback, you're going to try to bring pressure. I thought the Saints played way too much man coverage knowing that you had a running quarterback. So it was plenty of times on third and eight where he would run for 15 yards and wasn't even touched. And to me, that's just too easy. Uh, you have to mix up variable blitzes and more zone coverage. And if you play man, put a spy on a quarterback who you know can run, and he's a rookie. So usually rookies, if they don't get the first read, they're going to pull it down and take off anyway. So I thought he did a great job of controlling the ball game with his legs and then not making that rookie mistake, not throwing the pick six, not holding the ball too long and taking a sack force fumble. So he didn't make the big mistakes, and he was also able to use his legs to convert first downs. Any concerns? Uh, I mean, a loss is, is significant anytime you lose in the NFL. Any any major concerns after the loss to the Eagles going into a huge game versus Kansas City? I, I think if you're the Saints, you're, you're kind of gearing it up for the playoffs. The biggest thing is to keep everybody healthy. You're going to have a couple of big playoff games. It's going to be one or two games that will determine whether or not you had a good season or not. And nobody will remember this game. I mean, it, it would have been nice for the Saints to get the bye. I don't know if they could have run the table because I think Green Bay, with an easier schedule, has the possibility of winning winning out the rest of those games. And so even if had you won that game, you still had to come back and beat a tough Kansas City team that's playing well. And so um, the bye is always good because you have the chance of losing that first game. You know what I'm saying? So, and I, it doesn't matter who you play. It's a playoff game, and so there's no bad teams in the playoffs, so you have a chance to lose. So you know, if you're talking about the Saints matching up with Tampa Bay for the third time, matching up with Seattle, I mean, there's no real home field advantage, so that's a tough game when you could have had a bye. So if they can somehow wrestle that bye uh, back out of Green Bay's hands, that would be perfect. But I think realistically, the Saints are looking at being a division champ, playing the first game at home. So it's just a matter of you have to match up against some good teams and, and try to win. The, the hard part is if it goes to a conference championship, then you have the possibility of going to Green Bay in January where it could have real inclement weather as opposed to playing in the Superdome. Even though you don't have fans, you still have 65 degrees. I think that could be a, a big turning point to see who actually goes to the Super Bowl. want to turn to this week. You play Kent. Well, well, not you, but they play Kansas City. You hear some talk. Maybe do you start Jameis Winston here or do you stick with Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill? Uh, because clearly Breeze is not going to play in this game. Uh, do you 
take a chance at looking at, at Jameis because this it may be uh, more of a shootout um, where maybe t- what Taysom does is not what you need in this situation. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think what Taysom does is exactly what you need. You need to control the clock. I mean, you don't want to get in a shootout with Kansas City. You want to win 17-14. What you're hoping to do is to run the clock, keep them off the field, have those seven- and eight-minute drives, you know, short passes when you get the third and one, run the quarterback power, get the first down, work the clock. So, to me, this game is, is, is much more suited for – the style of play that Taysom brings as far as controlling the clock and not making mistakes. Now, for some reason, you fall behind by 20 and Taysom has just thrown two or three interceptions and he's absolutely horrible. Then at that point, hey, I go put in the gunslinger and tell, hey, James, just just throw it. If you get an interception, nobody cares, but just try to score as many points as you can. But I don't I don't start this game with James, who hasn't started a game all year. I'm going to ride Taysom and, and just try to ball control and manage and then hopefully your defense can make a big play here or there. But Kansas City is an elite team, and they're the defending Super Bowl champ, and they're looking like it. So it's going to be a tough task for anybody, especially the Saints. And, I mean, you pretty much gave us your answer. Who do you think is going to come out on top in this situation? Oh, I'm always going to go with the Saints, man. Come on, buddy. What you talking about? <laughs> who I think going to come out on top? I feel like I think I think the Saints, man. Now, now one thing worries me, <laughs> the little field goal kicker has been shaky lately, and usually he's been, like, automatic. So Will Lutz. And so this can come down to a field goal if the Saints can keep the game close. The Saints defense is underrated, but they've been playing very, very well and ranked like in the top. So, I mean, you're not going to shut down Kansas City, but if you can just kind of limit the big plays and try to keep them under control. I mean, Tyreek Hill is just having like a, a MVP season from the wide receiver position. But and I, mean, I think, kills, the, I mean. yeah, if you can keep it in the 20s. The Saints have a chance to win. If it gets to the 30s, then it's, it's. I don't think we can score that many points against Kansas City. Well, before we let you get out of here, want to ask you about the NFL game of the week. And when you talk about that Cleveland-Baltimore game, what a game. Nine rushing touchdowns. You had, what, three scores in the last uh, two minutes or something yeah. like that? Uh, what an incredible game. What were your thoughts? What were your takeaways from the Monday night? Really classic game between Baltimore and Cleveland. Ah man, I was that. I mean, so far Lamar Jackson. When you when you put your tape in to go to the high, to the Hall of Fame, I mean that's that's the one you play. I mean, if you got to put the one play where you you're going in with cramps and then you come back out on fourth and five because the other quarterback that took your place got hurt, and then on the very first play, not only do you get the first down, you use your legs and then throw the football down the field to create a touchdown and and take the lead. I mean, I just thought that was just great drama, which is why. The NFL is always such a highly ranked sport because you can't recreate that type of drama. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen in the end of an NFL football game. So I thought it was two teams who matched up really well, and uh, and, and Cleveland just uh, just couldn't get it done at the end. But Lamar Jackson was definitely the difference. And and if and if they can get into the playoffs, I mean, you have to. You know, they've been hurt. He's you know, Lamar Jackson's had COVID, everything and everything and everything. You do not want to be the team that have to play the Ravens. Even though the Ravens would be on the road, you don't really have a home field advantage. And who wants to mess with a healthy Lamar Jackson? This guy is a legitimate league MVP, and he can do the things by himself with a pretty good defense in order to beat you at the end of the game. So that's a dangerous team 
if they can make it into the playoffs. Well, I mean, it would concern me that he only had, what, three completions in, in the first half. He didn't need them because of his athleticism and what he did on the ground. But, yeah, and, and you know, the fact that Dobbins had a good night as well. I thought Baker looked pretty good, too, too and I, I give him a hard time. I'm not a real Baker fan, but he yeah, bounced I mean, back. I mean, he, yeah, yeah he, he did. I mean, but he's 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 turning the corner. I mean, he has enough commercials. He's he's <laughs> he's definitely Tinseltown Hollywood. So he needs to get some production. Uh, I mean, Cleveland is a tough team too because I mean, you have Miles Garrett on defense and stuff like that. But you also, I mean, you have that with with uh, Hunt and also Chubbs at running back. I mean, it's it's like those guys can really pound the football. I mean, you're talking about you know playing a home game in Cleveland or even on the road. I mean, playing against Kansas City, one of those type teams. I mean, you're talking about a Cleveland team that can commit to running the football and you still have Jarvis Landry and some guys at the wide receiver position. I mean, the the AFC, while the Chiefs are still the clear-cut favorite, I think that uh, – and, and you have Tennessee. So you got some physical teams who want to run the football and, and can get really physical. And I think with Kansas City, the thing about them is they just score so quick and they're so explosive. The only way you can really beat them – is to have a dominating offense who can have seven and eight minute drives. Like you have to purposely, we're going to score and it's going to take us half a quarter to score. And I think Tennessee has that, has that ability that Cleveland Browns have it. And, uh, but if you get into a shootout with Kansas city, I mean, if you, if it gets into the thirties, they're going to beat anybody, but you have to have a physical offense and don't let them score on big plays. But right now I'm, it just looks like Kansas city is going to be that team you know, so far in the, in the AFC. So let me ask you about the cramp situation with Lamar Jackson. What did do you buy his answer or no? I mean, because I mean, I've seen guys with cramps. I never seen a guy like, oh, you just try all the way to the locker room when you're cramping up. I, but well, like what I'm, I'm sure what they were trying to do, they probably gave him a quick IV. I don't know. Is that is that why he went to the locker room? He I'm said, assuming he said cramps, but again, if you watched him jog in, and, and you know, like I don't know, you know. And, so you think you think he might have some bubble guts? He well, has that, he has said, kind of cramps. Yeah, he he said no, but but it just well. Seemed, my thing is I this. Asked. My thing is this. I've, it's plenty of guys that that had to pee behind the towel. I mean, you take that pee, you take up the two big Gatorade towels, and guys behind the bench they got to take a leak, and they because you you can't go in and you can't come back out. And, and and guys have even taken a dump behind there if they had to. But to me, you got that big blue tent. If you got that big blue tent. And the guy has some serious bubble guts. You just go in there and get a bucket and you let it out. Boy, oh Boy Scout style. You, get, <laughs> you ain't going to waste your time going way into the game, into the tunnel, and barely making it out on fourth down. So I don't think that was it. You know, so I'm so going to go with the cramps. But to me, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that they gave my IV. I didn't really look at the whole post-game stuff to see exactly what happened. But it was just great TV for him to come limping out on fourth down, no less. And, if, and just think about it. If the, if the starting quarterback doesn't get hurt on third down, then that means he doesn't even make it back out there in time for fourth down. So everything happens. It was like a Hollywood script. The start, the, you know, the backup guy who was playing, he slides, hurts his knee, so he's limping around. You know, hopefully he's okay. So he's by the time he gets up, there's a TV timeout, everything. That gave Lamar Jackson enough time to come right back out and throw that game when it touched down. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Well, game, yeah, game where he took the lead and then Cleveland came back and tied it and Justin Taker. And, yeah, and, and people, and yeah, did, people did sleeping on the fact that, that was a 55 yard field goal to win the game. That wasn't a chip shot. Man, these, these field goals, I keep saying that they're going to have to get a special K ball that's like <laughs> one, pound, one pound heavier or something because it's like there's too many guys lining up on the logo 
and just drilling it down the middle of the goalpost with like eight yards to spare. I mean, it's like, you know, we would always, you know, in, in our third down report, you know, hey, end of the game, end of the half, you know, we know we have to defend the 35-yard line because this kicker can kick a 52-yarder. Now, it's like you got to defend. If they cross midfield, we're in trouble. <laughs> it's like that's, it's totally, and I mean, and these guys are just getting better and better and more and more accurate. It's time to either move the goalpost closer or get a special K-ball that's like one pound heavier or something, you know, because you don't want to see, you know, two 55-yard field goals at the end of the game to decide who wins. Yeah, that's I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of those. Justin Tucker's the best in the biz, so. What are you talking about? Everybody's good. I mean, you know how many guys can hit a 50-yarder now? I mean, you got guys in college. What game was I watching just what, the other night? What did you just do, get through complaining about? Your kicker in, in New Orleans. So it, Everybody's not doing that. Your kicker is, is struggling. Look at Dan Bailey for Minnesota. He missed three extra points in a field goal or something well, like that. I, I think it was I think it was great to move that extra point back, but I still say it's time to narrow those goalposts just a little bit tighter. <laughs> I mean, give me give me a foot on each side, and so we're going to see who goes. <laughs> we see who can kick through that thing then. Yeah. Well, or you can do, and this would be cool, kind of like the arena football. You have two goalposts that are, like, really close, and if you hit it between them real close ones, then you get, like, an extra point. You get a full point instead of three. But you can make it exciting. You know, oh, yeah. Well, and now you're gimmicking up the game. How can folks yeah. reach you on social media? Uh, you know, it's at erob50 on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, man, well, we certainly appreciate it, man. Be safe, and we hope to catch you up with you on Christmas week. How That's right. That? Got some. Uh, we got some bowl games coming up. I know you got a bowl game in Montgomery coming up, and a couple other ones. So it should be a fun time. Yeah, and at, all at the, home, yeah. at home, got to watch them at home. Yeah, yeah, got to stay safe. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate you, like always. All right, appreciate it. Our guy Eddie Robinson with his take on special teams and a bunch of other stuff. Special teams, and I know that I know for a fact he played with a couple of divas. I don't know they were not as much divas as James Harden, but nonetheless, we always appreciate Eddie and his uh, his input and his contributions. Let him know how you feel. Erob fifty on Twitter, and uh, he's on Facebook, so you can find him. That's our guy. We certainly appreciate him. Well, this time out, I did this segment last time, and I'll keep the subject matter but i have toned down what i've had to say you see this is what happened so last time out i did a lamont award and i gave it to somebody very very deserving but i got too upset i got too caught up i got too angry and i vented and it was just a string of obscenities and i said you know what let me dial this one back because you know you don't want to do that not only i don't want to come across like that all the time i don't want folks to appear on the show they have they are no reflection of my opinion. So if I do something offensive, I don't want it to reflect on the guest. So I said, well, let me let me tone down, take a take a beat, and then come back and give you uh, the same person, but a little bit more subdued and measured. So with that, let's go to the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. Well, this guy, this uh, this time out is the same guy as last time out. Like I said, I'm just toning it down a little bit. And that is Nate Oates. You say, who in the hell is Nate Oates? Nate Oates is the Alabama Crimson Tide head basketball coach. Nate Oates.
By all accounts, by any account, by any measure, the gold standard for college basketball coaches is Coach Mike Krzyzewski of the Duke Blue Devils, Coach K. And he's one of the premier coaches in all the sports on any level ever. He has gold medals, national championships. He's put guys in the pros. He's put guys in society that made society a better place. So he's the guy you go to when you have any question about anything. He, his, his reputation is beyond reproach. He runs a clean program, and he's not had any kind of problems like that. He's, you know, generally, he is the gold standard. So when he questions whether or not college basketball should be rethinking things these days during the coronavirus, it's of note. It's significant, and it's important, and it's well thought out, and it's from a source that has the best interests of student-athletes and his folks in mind. He doesn't have to have another national championship at all costs. He, he's done. He has his pelts on the wall. He's done his thing. So a couple weeks ago now, I guess he asked the question and he says, quote, I would just like for the safety, the mental health, and the physical health of our players and staff to assess where we are at, end quote. That's in reference to uh, the coronavirus. He says, quote, in our country today, you have 2,000 deaths a day. You have 200,000 cases, a million and a half last week. You have people saying that the next six weeks are going to be the worst. To me, it's already pretty bad. On the other side of it, there are these vaccines that are coming out. People are saying that by the end of the month, 20 million vaccine shots will be given. In February, another 100 million. Well, should we not reassess that and see what would be best, end quote? That makes sense. With players traveling all over the country in a lot of COVID-infested areas, and just for the sake of non-conference basketball, since then, Duke has already canceled all their non-conference schedule. They will only play a conference schedule. I mean, it makes sense. People are dying over 300,000 deaths. This is a real, real thing. Then we see the kid from Florida fall out, and we don't know if this is COVID-related. He fell out with some sort of heart issue. He was in critical condition. He's stable now. But the fact is, he may be... Uh, it may be because of COVID that he had that situation happen to him. So we don't know that yet. And we need to find out these things. So that's reasonable enough to bring it up and question whether or not we should have college basketball at this time. So here's what Nate Oates had to say. Nate Oates. I don't know who in the hell, if Nate Oates knocked on my front door, I wouldn't know who in the hell he was. And I think 20 years from now, he will be a fly on the windshield of college basketball of no significance. He will have no significance. But he has the audacity to say this about Coach K. Quote, do you think if Coach K hadn't lost his two non-conference games at home that he still would be saying that? End quote. He went on to say, quote, we 100% should be playing basketball. End quote. So, Nate Oates, you think that Coach K is worried about losing two non-conference games after 40-plus years of being a tremendous coach, after gold medals, national championships, some of the most iconic plays, moments, anything in college basketball happened on his watch. You think he's worried about two non-conference games in December? Do you really think at this point he's worried about that would dictate whether or not he wants to continue? Do you? So you think that he just... 
everybody as it pertains to, oh, I'm not really worried about the, the COVID. I'm worried that my team lost two non-conference games. See, this is why I got worked up the last time. Are you are you kidding me? See, this is why I, I – Wusa. I, no, I – what is wrong with you, dude? So, so that tells me this is what it tells me. Let me, let me, let me dial it back. What this tells me is that Nate Oates doesn't give a damn about his kids. He doesn't give a damn about his program. He doesn't give a damn about the kids' parents and family or anyone that they will be exposed to uh, as it pertains to to COVID. All he cares about is basketball. And the irony is, as much as he cares, he'll never accomplish what Coach K has accomplished in the game of basketball. And Coach K can question anything he wants. He's done it. He's been there, built the program, done that. He cares about other things other than just winning because he's won. But I think for Nate Oates to sit there and think that Coach K has an ulterior motive because he lost two non-conference games that makes you nate oates a big big dummy you big dummy (laughs) (laughs) what an idiot man you talk about man we have seen some boneheaded coaches first of all we've seen a lot of idiots as it pertains to this and the election and everything else these are just foolish people and i hope that recruits think about this before considering going to play for these guys who don't care they don't care he don't they don't care about the kids they don't care about their health they care about getting paid and winning games they don't care about any of that so remember that anybody thinking about going to the university of alabama to play basketball look at what kind of person nate oates is he don't give a damn about you and he's a big dummy so with that, before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey, want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, E Rob 50, Eddie Robinson. Want to thank you guys for tuning in. And a reminder the sports line, 832 941 6614. And of course, the WagesWordProductions.com website. And at Wade's Word on Twitter, Wade's Word, and Sports Talk with Devin Wade group and fan page on Facebook. But most importantly, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. (laughs) This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word, thank you for listening.